We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God. And I'm excited every time I get an opportunity to share about my mighty God. He's just so awesome. Um, We've been talking about the book of Philippians for a few weeks. And, you know, this book has two words that kind of permeate the chapters of this book, the verses of this book. It's either joy or rejoicing. I mean, you can't hardly escaping in this book. Over 40 times it mentions joy or rejoicing. And it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, the message of our ministry is the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, the model of our ministry is the example of Christ. In chapter 3, the, the motive of our ministry is the reward of Christ. That brings us to today, chapter 4, if you turn there with me, The means of our ministry is the provision of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you need, God will provide it. And and I'm thoroughly convinced about that. We have a God that will provide for us. He may not give us everything that we want, but he will give us everything that we need. I'm going to say amen to myself this morning because I know God is that type of God. Most people, when they feel unhappy with their lives, believe in order to make things better, they need more of something, more money, more material possessions, more motivations. However, if you've ever found yourself getting more, if you're really honest, it isn't long before the more just doesn't make you happy. For someone in here, you could, you could be in the process of saying, I, I just need a better job. Or you could feel like, I need a, a bigger boat. Or a boat. Y- y'all praying with me, aren't you? You just need something better. And, and, some of, and some of our thinking, bigger is better. But this morning, I want to offer you an alternative, a biblical view that what God provides is better. And God provides us with exactly what we need. Um, In Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, you realize that he provides unity in the midst of disagreement. That God gives his church the unity that they need. In verses 5 through 9, excuse me, verses 6 through 9, you realize that God provides peace. That peace that passes all understanding when you have a tendency to worry. I know no one at Calvary Chapel ever worries, but at another church I was with another few weeks ago, there was a lot of worriers in there. and And I challenged them, if you pray, don't worry. But if you're worrying, it's a telltale sign that you're not praying quite enough because no prayer leads to no power. Little prayer leads to little power and much prayer leads to much power. And if you want to see God provide for you in your life, you want to take your concerns, your cares, your anxieties, your worries to God in prayer. And don't be like that person who comes to Calvary Chapel on Sunday morning with all their worry luggage up under their arms. They're carrying all the bags of a bellman up under their arms. And when they get here, they set their bags down 
for the duration of service, but when service is over, they pick up all their luggage of worry and anxiety and heartbreak and take it back home with you. Take your concerns to the Lord and leave them there. God provides the antidote for worry, and that's that peace that passes all understanding. He reminds us that if you just simply pray, that God will see about you. That that's, leads us to verse 10 through 23 here. What else does God provide? Well, brothers and sisters, I think God provides for us resources that we need. He provides the money that we need. God will take care of us. God knows exactly where you are in terms of resources. And here's Paul, who's writing this thank you letter to the Philippian church, probably from prison. But he's saying, thank you for your care and your concern for me. Thank you for looking out for me. Thank you for being such diligent ministry partners who shared um, your resources with me. Thank God for those that God raises up to care for his work, to care for ministry who he blesses with resources, become conduits of the resources to pass along to others. Verse 10, here's what it says. Verse 10 to 13. He said, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you like opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I'm in, whatever state I am, to be content. I know now how to be a base. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. You know, what does God provide for us here? He provides power. He provides the power that we need for life and service. He provides you and I with what we need for life and service. I love how Paul starts here in verse 10, not rejoicing again, but I rejoice where? In the Lord. He finds that his joy or his rejoicing is centered in Christ. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last you have, you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you liked the opportunity. You were not able. But in verse 11, he says, but now I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content." Paul says, I know what it's like to be up here, and I know what it's like to be down here. Matter of fact, in verse 12, he says, I know how to be a base, and I know how to abound. What Paul says, he's learned the secret. He's learned how to be content, even though circumstances outside of me may forever change. Things are good some days. Things are not so good some days. And Paul says, it doesn't matter. My contentment always stays the same. Paul says, when I have a pocket full of money, I'm doing well. He says, I'm content. And Paul says, when I'm broke as a joke, I'm still content. 
You know, Paul has learned something that I'm still working on in my life. Because when I'm going through some things, my contentment goes up and down. It's like a roller coaster. I've been trying to sell this roller coaster of my heart to Carowinds for a long time because it's up and down and it flips all kind of ways when things are going on around me. And I don't mind telling you that because I'm not the only one here this morning. When your circumstances change, does your contentment change? Do you say, now, Lord, what doest thou this? You know, I don't need things to change on the outside because if things change on the outside, things also change on the inside. And Paul says, you know, Andre, don't, don't allow your contentment to change. He says, Calvary Chapel, don't allow your contentment to change. Trust me. Lean on me. If, if things are good, Trust me. If things are not so good, trust me. And I'm saying, Lord, how do I do this? He said, by remaining content, content in me. By, by doing what verse 10 says, rejoice in me because I've got your back. And I wonder who came through those doors this morning. And you need to hear that God has your back. That God will take care of you. But sometimes it will look strange how God takes care of you. But God knows exactly where you are. And he reminds me in verse, in, verse, in verse 12 again. He says, everywhere and in all things, I have learned to both be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't it good to know that God, God has you? That God knows what you need. And here's Paul. He's saying, for my life, for my ministry, for my service, God provides. God knows exactly what I need. I remember just a few short months ago, one of the guys that we went through seminary together and we studied together. God blessed him with four wonderful children, um, two in college, two in high school, um, a beautiful wife, but she suffered with sickness, um, um, chronic arthritis, which kept her bedridden most of the time. Um, he graduated from seminary with me. God called him to a small town, to a small church that provided a small salary. He was depressed and he was miserable. And just a few short months ago, um, one of his kids was home from college. He decided to go in the other room and kill three of his children. Then he killed his wife. And then he killed himself. But not before leaving a suicide note. They say he gave up. That he lost hope. He lost his joy. And he lost his peace. It's so easy to give up. And as I sat through his funeral, I thought, if I don't keep my eyes on Christ, that could have been me. Because sometimes life gets difficult. It's not always on the mountaintop. It's in the difficult moments. It gets lonely. And I even heard from one of my friends, sometimes it gets lonely at the top. Life can do that to you. This morning, that's why I want to remind all of us to keep our eyes on the hill from which cometh our help, because our help cometh from the Lord. It is God who provides. It is God who will take care of us. 
But if we ever put our eyes on life's circumstances, we may allow our contentment to go up and down as it relates to life. Instead of steady as you go because we rejoice in Christ. I remember when I was in seminary, once again, um, we lost two kids and my wife was pregnant with a third kid. And um, all of a sudden, our car that we relied on died on us. The head gasket blew. And when we took it to the Honda dealership, they said it was going to be $6,000 to fix. I don't know about you, but I don't have $6,000 just laying around an account waiting for something to go badly. And when he told me $6,000, what he told me is I had no transportation. I was done for the day. And um, I felt the tears and the pressure of life jumping on me. He said, um, are you still a student at, at the seminary? And I said, yes. He said, well, let me go and talk to someone real quick. Sit right here, go to the lobby, get you some coffee, I'll be right back. And in this huge dealership, I was sitting in the lobby with the weight of the world on me. He ran upstairs, and the owner of the dealership, the majority owner, came down and spoke to me in the lobby. And he said, I heard you were a, a student at the seminary. And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, um, he said um, tell me about it. I'm saying, really, right now? I don't want to talk to you about the seminary. I want to talk about this car being fixed. And I sat there with him for about 20 or 30 minutes, sharing with him about things I've learned. He said, sir, I think I missed my calling. I should have gone to seminary myself. That sounds so exciting. We talked about it so long, I forgot that my car was broken. And he said, tell me about your car. How long have you had it? Blah, blah, blah. And I told him, my wife was over there pregnant. I had 6,000 problems that I wanted to talk to this guy about. Life was on me right now. And he said to me, he said, we're going to fix your car. And I asked him, how much was it going to cost? He said, it's going to be absolutely free. I said, praise the Lord. Um, he said, he said, I'll tell you what, until we fix your car, go and pick out, it was the first year that the Odyssey um, van had ever come out. He said, go and pick out your new Odyssey and drive it until we fix your car. I'm saying, praise the Lord, but we can't afford a payment on that. He said, no, it's absolutely free. It's on me. So my wife and I picked out a gray Odyssey van off the parking lot. We thought we was rich for about five seconds. Y'all ain't saying nothing. <laughs> and um, we picked it out, and we started driving it. A few um, weeks later, it was time for oil change. I said, I don't want to take this car back to the dealership because they may keep it. But I took it back to the dealership, and not only did they change the oil, but they did it for free. And while I was there, I checked on my car. They haven't even started working on my car. My wife is pregnant. We're driving this rental van, and they haven't even started working on it. I said, what do if thou this? <laughs> I drove it for a few more months. It came up time for the second oil change. I'm putting too many miles on this van. I know they're going to keep this van this time. And I got there to the dealership, and this time they had my car broken down. He said, well, just keep on driving. He said, when is your wife due? He said, okay, just keep on driving the van. Everything will be all right. So we kept on driving this minivan. And all of a sudden, it came up time for the third oil change. Wife had just given birth. We had fallen in love with the minivan by that point. <laughs> I'm at the wrong church to be talking like this. Y'all forgive me. But I got to the dealership, and I, and, 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 I, and I said to the service guy, is there any news about my car? He said, yes, the owner wants to talk to you about your car. 
And I said, oh, Lord, he wants his van back now. And he came downstairs and he talked to me. He said, how's the van been driving? He said, you like it? Yes, I like it. He said, we've discovered that we can't fix your car. You have too many problems. It's not even worth fixing. I, I said, I know. It didn't have any paint on it. It wasn't worth fixing before you even got started on it. And he said, I tell you what, since your car isn't worth fixing and we're not going to invest any more money in this, how about if we make you a deal on this minivan? I said, sir, I really can't afford it. He said, well, I'll make you a good deal. I said, sir, I really can't afford it. He said, I'm going to make you a really, really good deal. He said, I'll sell you that minivan for $5,000. I said, one, two, three, four. Yes, sir, I can afford $5,000. And we walked out that dealership, blessed of God. He provided for our needs with a brand new minivan. Can't God do it? Can't God do it? But you have to trust him. Some days you're going to be on the mountaintop. Some days you're in the valley. When my friend found himself in the valley, he didn't know how to deal with it. And he took his life. Almost killed all of his kids, but one was away at college when he killed the rest of them. Sometimes God will have you on the mountaintop, give you a minivan that you couldn't afford. That's just like God. Job says this. Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, I'm tempted to go on to verse 14, but I, but I, I hear something clicking in my spirit real quick. Here's, can, can I share it with you real quick? What if God doesn't, doesn't bring you out after you've prayed about it, after you've, after you've labored, after you've fasted? What if God doesn't change your circumstances? What if God doesn't, what if God just allows it to, what if God doesn't intervene? What, what do you do? I, I'm glad you asked. Rejoice in him. Trust him. Keep on looking for him. Even when you think he can't be found, God is still near. And he will provide exactly what you need. Do you believe that? Can anybody look in the rearview mirror of your life and, and realize even when God didn't come through, when you wanted him to come through, he did come through. But he came through in unusual ways. And sometimes his no is the best yes you could ever get. But you have to trust him in those times. That's the kind of God that we serve. Verse 14 says this. Because not only does God provide um, um, the resources that you need when you're going through. But in, in according to verses 14 through 20, he provides the material needs as well that we have as well. In verses 14 through 15, here's what it says. He says, nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. This is what he's telling the Philippian church. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. On two occasions, this church did this. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Now that I seek the gift, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. 
Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Aphrodite the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen, church. Do you know that God will provide for your needs? Here's what Paul says about it. Hey, I have everything that I need. I'm not asking you. Just saying thanks God for you. I'm not asking for anything. He said from the beginning when I departed from Macedonia. You, do, you know, know something about Macedonia, don't you? The, Macedonia was this place, this church that gave out of the abundance of their poverty. Did you get it? They didn't give out of the abundance of their riches, but they gave out of the abundance of their poverty. Abundance and poverty shouldn't be in the same sentence. They gave out of the abundance of their poverty. That's almost like saying um, jumbo shrimp. It doesn't go together. Y'all praying with me, aren't you? That's like saying United Methodist or Pentecostal holiness. It just doesn't go in the same sentence. He's saying they gave out, I hope I didn't offend anybody, they gave out of the abundance of their poverty. No church share with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. And Paul is saying, thank you for even in Thessalonica. You know something about when Paul was writing to this Thessalonica church, when he's writing the book of First and Second Thessalonians, he said, we work by day, so we wouldn't be a burden to anyone. We wouldn't be a burden to the gospel, we wouldn't be a burden to this message. He said, you sent aid once and again for my necessities on two occasions. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Aphrodite the things you have sent. You know, can you look around in your life, think about times that God has provided? And not only did he do it one time, but he did it again. How about when God used friends in your life to provide for you? Um, my father um, had back surgery a few weeks ago. And um, he's recovering from back surgery. And if you allow me to use a little bit of my Dylan language, my daddy had a big old house. And um, my daddy said, you know, with this back surgery, I don't think I can keep going up and down those steps. So he decided to sell his big house. And now my daddy has a small house. His house is so small, he couldn't even fit all of his furniture in the house. And I went by my dad's new house Friday night, and I sat with him, and I said, how do you feel living in this little place, um, having downsides from your big place? He said, Andre, I'm more content now than I've ever been. I said, Ooh, what do you mean by that? He said, it's so much easier getting rid of stuff than accumulating stuff. He said, I'm in the best place ever in my life. You know, the American dream teaches us that we need to accumulate. And you know what? The older we get, we feel like, hey, we can live on a whole lot less. My father taught me that just this week. What is God teaching you in this season of your life? Do you need everything you think you need? Do you need the second boat? 
Okay, do you need a boat? You all get what I'm saying this morning, don't you? Do you need a bigger car? Or do you need to clean up the car that God has already given you? Do you need a bigger house? Or do you need to be thankful for the house that God has already provided? No, for Paul, he says, I'm full. And what messes me up about this is Paul is probably writing this from prison. How do you write that I'm full from prison? Is prison food really that good? Not hardly. But Paul, he's finding his contentment in Christ. He's finding his contentment solid because it's not based on his circumstances. It's based on his rejoicing in Christ. Now here's where the preacher starts to get into your business. What are you basing your contentment on? Do you like to fill your wallet every few minutes to make sure everything's good? Are you checking your 401k while I'm preaching this morning and say, you know what, I, yeah, I'm doing good. Are you saying, you know what, I feel good in my body, I'm content? Or are you learning the secret of contentment that is found and me rejoicing in Christ because it's God who provides. Amen? Amen? It's God who takes. I'm not taking care of God. God is taking care of me. I remember back a long time ago in first, excuse me, second um, Samuel chapter 7, um, they thought they had been taking God around in the wilderness, and God reminded, no, I've been taking you guys around in the wilderness. They said, well, God, you were in the box. He said, no, I was never in the box. The box was just a representation that I was in your midst. God provides this morning. And, and, and here's what he says to these people. He says, indeed, I have all, verse 18, and abound, I am full, having received from Aphrodite the things sent from you. Thank God for Aphrodite who brings the gifts. A sweet-smelling aroma and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You see, Paul here goes all the way back to the book of Leviticus to remind us that our gifts are sweet-smelling aromas to God. Wait a minute, a thought just occurred to me. Can I share that thought that just occurred to me? Maybe God wants to use us this morning to provide for ministry. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. That can't be. Yes, maybe, maybe God wants to use you. Maybe God wants to use me as a conduit of his blessing. Too much is given. Much is also required. Because some of us are sitting there, we're too full this morning. We can hardly worship we're so full. But imagine if God were to use us to give some of it away for your glory because of the grace shown in my life. What if God were to call you to step up your efforts and say, God, I want you to use my resources. Use me to support ministry. Use me to support the, to support the pause. Use me to give to the Aphroditeses so that ministry could be done all around the globe, all around our community. What if God called you? Could it be? 
As Paul writes this thank you note, he challenges me. He said, how much are you giving to make sure the work of the ministry goes on? And then he says, to those who have given, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How does this work? Because I think if I give some time, I have less. And God has some weird math. He said, the more you give, the more you have to give. Wait a minute, God, how does that work? He said, you get addition through subtraction. As you give, I bless you. And my God shall supply all of your needs. And you know, God is so amazing that sometimes he supplies some of our wants too. And Paul breaks out into this doxology at the end here. He said, now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He closed this book with this final greeting. God has provided. God has provided unity. God has provided peace. God has provided resources. He's provided material needs. God is taking care of what you need. In chapter 1, he said you have the message. In chapter 2, you have the example. In chapter 3, you have the motivation. In chapter 4, you have the provision. It's almost like Philippians says, if you hang out with me, you have everything that you need. Verse 21, he says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those who are of Caesar's household. When I read that at first, I, I, I glanced over it of, of Caesar's household. What in the world? You ever heard the expression, bloom where you're planted? Paul, while in prison, was leading the guards to saving grace in Jesus Christ. He led fellow inmates to Jesus. Matter of fact, the longer Paul stayed there, the more people got converted. Matter of fact, I remember one song in the book of Acts that, that Paul and Silas were having a worship experience in the midnight hour. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the walls of the prison fell and the and the, and the gates came open, and the prison doors were open. And the Philippian jailer was about to kill himself. And Paul said, doesn't do it. I'm right here. So all the way from the Philippian jailer, all the way to Rome, Paul was doing his thing, leading folks to Jesus. Are you blooming where you're planted, on your job, in your neighborhood, in your family? Are you blooming where you're planted because... If God is so richly provided for you, does everybody know around you that you have a, a, a secret um, source to your success that is God in your life and because God is in number one place in your life, that God is your all in all that, brothers and sisters, you can't help but to tell it? Does the pictures on your, the wall of your house tell it how good God is? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's a picture that my grandmother always kept in her house. She reminded us that God is her source. And here it is. Paul closes the book of Philippians with that famous scene. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Calvary Chapel, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. What an amazing place that Paul puts us in as we close this book of Philippians. It's almost as if Paul knows exactly where we are. So just to recap, this book affirms that through Christ, you will, you will, you can be what you ought to be. Philippians 4.11, you can be what you ought to be. You can do what you ought to do, verse 13. And you can have what you ought to have, verse 19. All to the glory of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Lord, thank you for your provision. And thank you for your grace. Thank you that you take care of us better than we take care of ourselves. Thank you for this Calvary Chapel family who knows that if it had not been for God on our side, where would we be? Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who provides for us. I pray, God, that you would help us step up and be the Aphroditus, to be the one who shares their resources, to share their gifts, to share what you so graciously provided us with. 